degrees. And it turns out by Hashkacha Pratit that today is Chai Elo. Today is the birthday of the Baal Shem Tov. In Hasidic communities, especially Chabad, this is, this is a big day. It's the birthday of the Baal Shem Tov, Chai Elo. And so what I want to do, I'm going to have an introduction about Chai Elo. And then the Torah I'm going to give over for those who are interested, because unless we go over the Torah that we learn, so much of it kind of goes in one ear and out the other, because we're human beings. And unless people have incredible memories, we need to review the Shinantam Vanecha. We have to give over the Shinantam literally means Mishnah. It means from the word Sheni, too. It has to be given over and over and over and over again. So the Torah that I'm going to give over today is in Orchard of Delights, in Parsha Nitzavim, this week's Parsha. And it's also in Seasons of the Soul, though somewhat edited. So those people who want to review what we'll be talking about can find it there, but there's going to be a big chiddush, is I'm going to try to relate almost everything I'm saying to the Baal Shem Tov. And that does not, that is not in Orchard of Delights or Seasons of the Soul. Because like I said, Hashkacha Prati today is Chai Elo. And so much of the Torah that we learn is from Hasidus. And where would we be without the Baal Shem Tov? So historically, actually four things I'm sure many more things, but four major things happened on Chai Elo. One, in chronological order, is it's the yurt site of the Maharal, the Maharal of Prague. And according to many uh, Hasidic masters, the Maharal, which Maharal was active approximately 150 years before the Baal Shem Tov. But many people consider the type of Torah that the Maharal was given, giving over was already a, like an echo or a uh, trailblazing way of looking at the Torah that Hasidus in a sense, follows from that. So his yurt site, the Maharal, is today. Then the Baal Shem Tov was born in 1698 on Chai And exactly 36 years later is when he publicly revealed himself. He revealed himself on his birthday, on his 36th birthday. 36, of course, is very symbolic of the 36 Sadiqim in every generation. And until then, from, from the Baal Shem's late teens, almost 20 years, he led a group of hidden Sadiqim. It was a society. And they had a, 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 an agenda. And from a very young age, he led the hidden Sadiqim. So on his 36th birthday, he revealed himself on Chayelo. And then later, 
on Chayelo, the altar Rebbe, Shneer Zalman, was born. And according to Hasidic tradition, the Baal Shem Tov was far away from where the altar Rebbe was born, and he was with his Hasidim. And in the middle of teaching, he kind of went to a different place. And he told them, he said, right now, a very, very special light is being born into the world. And that was the, the altar Rebbe. So all of this happened on, on Chai Elo. So for those who want to, who have a Chumash in front of them, or want to mark this down, in the Parsha Mitzavim, in the 30th chapter, the... The sixth verse, 30 colon six. So there's a Pasuk, and, and there's a number of just beautiful things to learn about this. It says, Umal Hashem Elokecha, et levavcha v'et levav zarecha. And God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your children. La'ahava et Hashem Elokecha, to love God, your God, with your whole heart and your whole soul, for the sake that you may live. So I learned this from Rob Ginsburg. We always read this right around Chai Elul because Parshat Nitzavim always comes before Rosh Hashanah. This Shabbos, is the last Shabbos of the year because the following Shabbos is already Rosh Hashanah. So this coming Shabbos is the last Shabbos of the year and we always read Parshat Nitzavim. That's why I chose to learn about Parshat Nitzavim because it is an introduction to Rosh Hashanah. So this Pasuk that we just read, if you remember two weeks ago, we, we went over four different uh, Rashi Tevot, uh, acronyms for the name of the month, Elul. And one of them was in the Pasuk we just read, Et Levavcha Ve'et Levav, that God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your children. So the Rashi Tevot for Et Levavcha Ve'et Levav is Elul. So that's one beautiful thing. But Rob Ginsburg points out an amazing thing. This Pusik has 67 letters. What's the significance of 67? The, the word Elul equals 67. 67 is also Bina. This is very important for a, a women's class is we're taught that bina yetera isha yoter me'ish, that more, the aspect of bina was given more to women than to men. And this month, Elul equals bina. And so the, the, the energy of this whole month is a very, very feminine energy because tshuva is a feminine 
it, the word is feminine. And it's the same root as Shabbat. And we know that the imagery of Shabbat is the Shabbos Kala. The Shabbos is seen as a, as a bride, as the soulmate, the feminine soulmate of Am Yisrael. So along with it, this Pasuk having 67 letters, it has exactly 18 words. So Rav Ginsburg said, this is a hint to Chai, which is 18, Elo, 18 words and 67 letters. But he said more than that, the, the content of this verse applies very much to the Baal Shem Tov, because the Baal Shem was all about learning to open our hearts. And also it ends that you should love God with your whole heart and your whole soul in order that you shall live. And the way we look at the Baal Shem Tov is that he came into the world to restore life. The, the Jewish people at that time were so downtrodden so oppressed, so weary from the long exile that it, it was just simply not easy to, to have joy in, in one's observance of, of Yiddishkeit. Of course, Jews held on and were loyal, but to be joyous, it, it, the whole outer reality was so difficult. The Baal Shem Tov came, of course, Chayecha comes from the word Chai, Chai Elo. So it's given over that the Baal Shem came to bring life and joy and inspiration back to the Jewish people. And that's today. That's the birthday of the Baal Shem Tov. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to take the first Pasuk of the Parsha, Nitzavim. For those who have a Chumash in front of you, I'll read it and I'll translate it. But if you happen to have a Chumash, it, it would probably do you well. And we're just going to really learn this Pasuk. And we're going to learn in depth three of the words in, in the verse. And like I said, for those who have Orchard of Delights or Seasons of the Soul, you'll find a lot of what I'm saying there. It will be a great review. But what we're doing different today is we're, we're adding the energy of the Baal Shem Tov to all, to all of the explanations. So what does the Pusik say? And again, I'm reminding everyone that this, this Parsha is always read before Rosh Hashanah. There's only a handful of Parshas that the sages set that would always come out in conjunction with a, a, an upcoming holiday. And one of them is this Parsha. The sages said it that this Parsha would always come before Rosh Hashanah. So, what does the first Pasik say? Atem nitzavim hayom kuchem lifne Hashem elokecha. And you are standing today, all of you, before Hashem, your God. 
The Pasuk continues, but I, I'm going to stop right there because we're going to look at three ideas here. What is the Hayom in the Pasuk? What is the today? It says you are standing today. The question is, what day are we talking about? We're going to understand the Nitzavim is translated as standing. It's one of the words for standing. And we're also going to understand who are the Kulchem, all of you. So we're going to start with which day are we talking about? So according to Rashi, this is the day that Moshe Rabbeinu leaves the world. And in fact, the, the last four parshas in the Torah, starting in Nitzavim, Vayelech, Ha'azinu, and Zota Bracha were all said on Moshe's last day which, according to tradition, was Zion Adar. That's when we uh, commemorate the yurt site of Moshe Rabbeinu, was, is uh, Zion Adar. And that's what Rashi says. Rashi says that this was the day that he passes away. This is his, the whole book of Devarim is what, what we would call Moshe's last will and testament. And we actually know that it took exactly 37 days because in, in Parsha Devarim, Rashi already tells us that according to tradition, he began the book, uh, he began giving over the teachings in the book of Devarim on Rosh Chodesh Shvat, and he passed away 37 days later. So the whole book of Devarim it occurs in 37 days. The last four parshas all occur on the last day of Moshe's life. So the Midrash asks why, what's, what's the connection with this parsha and the, the, the previous parsha, Kitavo? So we know that last week's parsha had 98 what we'll call curses. They're blessings also. If we listen to Hashem, we get amazing blessings. And if we don't listen to Hashem, the Torah is prophetically telling us what will happen. For those people who went through these curses, as hard as they are to read and listen to, they, they all happened. Unfortunately, every single one of them happened in real time, in real life, in real history. As we know, the Torah is a prophetic uh, book, prophetic document. So this parasha begins, you are standing today before Hashem, your God. So the Midrash says the connection is that after the people heard 98 curses that if they didn't listen to Hashem, they were so scared, they were so, in a sense, traumatized by what might occur to them, that this Pasha comes, in a sense, to give them comfort, and that even, if all of these curses would happen, you will still, 
I will never, God is saying, I will never abandon you. There will always be a covenant because that's in, in, in the second and third uh, Pasuk, in the third Pasuk of this Parsha, it explains why Moshe brought everyone together is to re-enter them into the covenant with God. So God is saying, even if all of this would happen, you will still be standing before me. Okay, so Rashi tells us that the Hayom, excuse me, that today in this week's Parsha was the last day of Moshe's life. The Zohar says something different. The Zohar says this day is Rosh Hashanah. But the Hayom, when it says, and you are standing today, all of you before God, the Zohar says this is Rosh Hashanah. Now we could ask, well, which one is right? Rosh Hashanah is not Zion Adar. But here we're looking at time, as we're going to see in a minute, from a much more expansive consciousness, where it's not one or the other. Is the Zohar is saying, when do we have the experience of feeling that we are standing before God? Well, you can answer, as we will in a second, every day. That's, a, that's the other exa example of somewhat, what some of the commentaries say, is every day we stand before Hashem. That we'll, we'll, we'll get to. But here it could be Rosh Hashanah, and it can be Zion Adar, and it can be every day. So to, to, to connect this first Midrash to the Baal Shem Tov, this is exactly what we said before. When the Baal Shem Tov came into the world, the Jewish world was so um, dispirited, was so downtrodden, that it was like, how are we going to hang on here? Life was extremely difficult, extremely difficult. And so that's when the Baal Shem burst onto the scene with a, a new message, with a new energy. And he, he quite literally revived the Jewish people. So it's very much like the Midras is saying that even after all these things occur, you will still stand before God. God is testifying that you will still be before me. I will not abandon you. And that becomes clear in the rest of the Parsha. Well, hopefully everyone will, will read it and we'll see. This is one of the most, it's one of the shortest Parshas in the entire Torah, but it's, it's one of the most meaningful. Like all of Jewish history is encapsulated into this Parsha. Now, another way we can relate to what is this Hayom, is in, in, in Tehillim uh, 2.7, for those who want to look it up, 2 Tehillim, the seventh verse, God says to David, Beniata, you are my child, Hayom Yoladeticha, today I have given birth to you. And this is Again, relating to the Baal Shem Tov, one of his greatest, uh, I wouldn't say it, it's his innovation, 
but the fact that he put so much emphasis on the idea of hitchadshut, of renewing ourselves every day, is if we don't do that, we end up living a life of rote and routine, and everyone knows how that can uh, drag us down when there's, we just feel stuck in ongoing uh, routine and, and rote uh, kind of life. So that's how we can understand when it says, and you are standing today, all of you before Hashem, so this is really every day. Every day we have the opportunity to feel as if we were standing before Hashem as, as we never have before. But there's no doubt, just like in, in, in theoretically, a person can reach the, the, the peace of mind of Shabbos any day of the week. But there's, there's no doubt that it's a hundred times, maybe a thousand times easier on Shabbos itself. There's something obviously unique about Shabbat that opens up the gate of spirituality, of infinite, of connecting to God, of menucha, of rest. But it's not like we can't ever reach any of those levels at any other time. So Rosh Hashanah is no, no doubt, like Rabbi Shlomo would say, it's the headquarters of feeling that you're standing for God. In fact, in, in, in the prayers itself, it says that on Rosh Hashanah, everyone passes before God. Everyone does stand before God on Rosh Hashanah. So that's Hayom, today. There's one other connection, and we'll connect it to the Baal Shem Tov, is that on Rosh Hashanah, the Baal Shem had an aliyat neshama, an elevation of soul, and he found himself in the company, in the presence of the soul of the Mashiach, and he asked him, like the sage Yeshua ben Levi, two, well, at that point, 1,700 years before, approximately, who also had an aliyah and a shama and found himself in the presence of the Mashiach. So Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi asked him, when is the master coming? When are you coming? And the Mashiach said to him one word, Hayom, today. So Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi is like, today? Wow. <laughs> he practically didn't know what to do with himself. Mashiach told me he's coming today. And every moment he's, he's, he's waiting to hear the shofar, shofar gadol, announcing the coming of Mashiach doesn't happen. And of course, he's, he's bitterly disappointed. What happened here? A, a short while later, he was in the presence of Elio and Navi. 
Obviously, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi was a very high neshama. He was in the presence of Eliyahu Navi, and he says, what happened? The Mashiach told me he's coming today, and he didn't come. So Eliyahu Navi said, you didn't understand. When he said Hayom, it was part of a Pasuk. And if you look in Kabbalat Shabbat, at the end of the first Tehillim that we say, there is this Pasuk. It says, Hayom im tishma'u. Today, if you listen to his voice. So obviously at the time of Yeshua ben Levi, it meant all the people, not just Yeshua ben Levi. When you, meaning the whole Jewish people, listen to my voice, and actually in this Parsha, it prophesizes that a time will come when that will happen. And then God will gather us up from the four corners of the earth and will bring us back to Eretz Yisrael, and a whole new era will begin. So the Baal Shem also has an aliyah to neshama, and he asks the Mashiach, when are you coming? But this time the Mashiach gave a different answer. When the wellsprings of your Torah, your waters, reach the farthest extremes. In other words, your Torah spreads to the whole world. And this actually is really the only way to understand the whole Chabad movement, and especially what the Rebbe, Rebbe Menachem Mendel Schneerson, the spiritual empire that he built was, in a sense, simply to fulfill the instructions of the Mashiach to the Baal Shem Tov. So this Hayom also relates to the Baal Shem Tov because every day in, in, in potential, Mashiach could come. And therefore, the Rebbe taught very, very strongly that every person should look at every day, every action as this could help us bring, bring, get us one step closer to bring, bringing Mashiach. So that's the today. We could see, again, it's an, it's an expansive understanding of time. It could be Rosh Hashanah. It could be Zayin Adar. It could be every day. And I'll just add one more thing, that when we came to Har Sinai on Rosh Chodesh Sivan, so it says, Bayom Hazeh Ba'u. On this day they came. So the different commentators point out that grammatically, it would have been, in a sense, better to say, On that day they came. Because they came is in the past. But it says, On this day they came. So Rashi says, very important Rashi, he says this is to teach us that we should see the Torah that we're learning as if it, it was given today. In other words, Torah was given to us 3,300 and, 
can't remember, 20 years ago. But that it's actually been given every day and we should look at it as if it's being given every day. So we always read this before Rosh Hashanah, like the Zohar says, and that this day in the Pasuk is Rosh Hashanah, but it's teaching us that Rosh Hashanah is also not a one-time occurrence, that the new year starts on Rosh Hashanah, and then as the year goes on, it gets older and older and older. The, the teaching actually is, is that every day should contain an aspect of Rosh Hashanah. Okay, now we're going to move to the word Nitzavim, which is translated as you are standing. So this word Nitzavim, the same root we find earlier in the Torah, in regards to the ladder of Yaakov. When Yaakov has a dream of a ladder that is entrenched in the earth, but whose head reaches the heavens, so the, the verb that is used for this ladder is mutsav artsa. It is entrenched in the earth. It is standing strongly in the earth. And it's the same root as mitzavim. And so this is also a very, very good teaching for Rosh Hashanah, is that in general, we should always have, in a sense, our feet on the ground and our head in heaven meaning that our head in heaven has to be grounded in the earth and our being grounded in the earth has to have an, an aspect, an element of being able to reach the heavens. And this is actually a very, very uniquely Jewish concept because in general in the world, spirituality means being in, in, the he in heaven, having our head in the clouds, and not relating so much of this world, or even negating this world altogether, but that's not a Jewish concept, and it's somewhat paradoxical, is paradoxically, the more we are established in the, in the physical material world, the more we can rise in the spiritual world. This is a very, actually a very unique concept because what usually happens and the danger is people get caught in the material physical world. And, and to the point that they even forget that there's a spiritual world and, and forget there's a God. It could go that far. We get so entrapped, so caught up in our physical material reality. But the latter in Yaakov's dream is teaching us that we, the latter in a sense is an image of a person standing. But we're standing on the earth and we, our souls also reach the heavens, but it's not a contradiction. 
And like I said, paradoxically, the more we are rooted in this world, the more our souls can rise. Now, as far as standing, so this uh, brings us to also a very important concept as how do we relate to God? We know that our the, the, the archetypal prayer in Judaism is what we call the Shemona Esrei, or the Amidah, the standing prayer. Sometimes we call it the silent prayer. But we actually the, 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 call it the formal name for it is the Amidah, which comes from the word standing. Now this also needs explanation because in the Shemona Esra, in the Amida, we actually bow seven times. Seven times we, we bow. Three times in the beginning, three times at the end, and one time at, at Modim. So again, this some, someone could say, well, this, isn't this a contradiction? If it's called the Amidah, why are we bowing so much? And as usual in, in call it Jewish philosophy or Jewish worldview, we're always trying to encompass both ends of almost any issue. Elo ve'elo divrei elokim chayim. These and these are the words of the living God. So there's a place that we stand before God. And there's also a place where we bow before God. And we know that here, when we're bowing, actually we bow an eighth time in Elenu. So during Shakrit, actually Shakrit Menchan Marav, we are bowing eight times during the process. But the only time that we actually get down on our literally hands and knees is on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Now what's interesting, and I'm not making a value judgment here, is without going into it in great depths, but so much of Christianity and Islam is taken from the spirit of the Torah. What they did with it is a different, a different question. But we see that, and again, this is not a value judgment, because we also bow, and we also go down on our knees. But uh, in Islam, they get down on their, on their knees five times a day. So they, 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 connected to this idea. And we have a different idea. Just like there's a solar calendar, and then there's a lunar calendar. Christians have a solar calendar. Muslims have a lunar candle. We have a lunar candle, lunar calendar, that takes in consideration the solar calendar. We're somewhere in the middle. So the same thing with standing and bowing. 
So connecting to Rosh Hashanah, we need both of these aspects that God wants us to stand before him. One of the things that God says to Avram is, walk before me and be pure of heart. Be sincere. Not just walk with me, but walk before me. It's very, very significant that God is saying, it's like a parent who wants their child to go beyond where they've gone, whether it's professionally or financially or in midot, that a parent wants a child to supersede them. A good teacher also wants that from a student, that ultimately they should rise higher, do better. But at the same time, we know that on Rosh Hashanah and, and, Yom, and Yom Kippur, that we have to adopt an extremely uh, humble, existentially uh, lowly uh, attitude vis-a-vis -vis the creator of the universe. Rosh Hashanah is not a time for her. Uh, big egos, big, uh, lots of pride. <clears throat> it is a time to uh, be very, very humble, and yet we're standing before God. So to relate this to the Baal Shem Tov, so I think everyone knows this story, but when the Baal Shem Tov was five years old, his father passed away. And on his deathbed, he said to him, he said, just you have to remember two things. Never have any fear other than of God and to love every Jew. This, this was his last will and statement to the Baal Shem. And the Baal Shem uh, created a, a whole movement because people who know the history that the first two or three generations of the Hasidic movement was met with tremendous opposition. And yet the Baal Shem Tov, he was fearless. He, he, he knew what God wanted from him. He knew what his mission in this world was. And nothing was going to stop him. But at the same time, there, there's a story told that um, I don't remember the details exactly, but I believe it's after the, the Baal Shem Tov passed away and his students began telling stories about the Baal Shem, trying to um, uh, preserve the, the stories, the Torahs. And he came to one of the students who became a, a big rabbi, you have to pardon me, I don't remember which one, and it came into him in a dream. And he said, why is everyone telling stories about my, the miracles that I did? And they're not emphasizing how much yira I had for God. How much awe I had. 
how humble I was in the face of, of God. So like I said, I'm trying to connect everything to the Baal Shem Tov and to his, his teachings, which became Hasidut. Now, one last thing that connects this standing is, and Reb Shlomo gave over hundreds of Torahs about this in different ways. And that is that on, on, on Rosh Hashanah, there is the danger of a person saying to themselves, who am I fooling? I'd like to make all these New Year's resolutions. I'd like to promise God I'll do this, I'll do that. But God knows, I know that most of it, maybe all of it, I'm not going to be able to keep. I'm just not on that level. I'd like to be, but I'm not. So therefore, like, why should I show up at all? Why should I pray? I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. So Reb Shlomo says that this is not the attitude we should have. And we know it from the Torah reading. The Torah reading of the first day of Rosh Hashanah includes the, the story of uh, Yishmael being sent away. And everyone asks, why are we reading this story in Rosh Hashanah? There, there, there are parts of the, of the Torah reading that we could make a, a very easy connection. But people ask, why are we learning about Yishmael? And the answer that most people give is that <clears throat> when uh, he was put under a tree, when Hagar put him under a tree, so she didn't want to see him die. Um, and it says that the angel heard Yishmael crying, Ba'asher hu sham from the place that he was. And so it's explained that the, the, there's a midrash that says that the angels came to Hashem and said, Olam, don't you know how much trouble the children of Yishmael are going to cause the children of Yitzhak? Why save him? And Hashem answers with, with the Pasuk, that I judge people where they are holding. And so therefore we're taught that on Rosh Hashanah, we just have to be sincere. Even if in the back of our mind we're thinking, I'm gonna really try, but I've tried so many times before but we're not supposed to think like that. It's like, right now, in this minute, I really want to change. In this minute, I, I feel inspired. I feel close to Hashem. I feel that I could change. I could make a difference in my life. And we should go with, with that. And this is very, very connected in a sense, to the whole attitude the Baal Shem Tov had towards what 
is referred to as the simple Jew. The simple Jew who can barely put food on the table for himself and his wife and children, who works all the time, who just has such a hard life. And yet, with the little that they know, they come to davening, they say Tehillim all the time. They pour their heart and soul into whatever little parts of Torah that they can learn, they can recite. And so many stories, Hasidic stories of people that don't even know how to read, don't, don't know anything. But in one particular aspect, they will put their whole being. The famous story of the young boy who comes to shul, everyone's davening, doesn't know what to do, but has such a, an arousal to draw close to Hashem. All he knows is how to play his flute, and he begins to play his flute, and people are like in an uproar. Someone's playing a flute on, on Rosh Hashanah, you know, I think it was Yom Kippur. And that particular Yom Kippur, there, there were tremendous uh, judgments happening in heaven against the Jews, decrees that were about to be passed in the Baal Shem was so serious, the whole Yom Kippur. But when, when the young boy begins playing his flute, he turned around to everyone and said, like, he just opened up all of the gates. So the Baal Shem took this teaching of Ba'asher Husham, a place from where they are holding, and he, he turned it into a whole like, philosophy of how we should relate to other people, how we should not judge other people by where we think they should be holding. And now we'll go to the last word that we're going to look at is kulchem. The verse says, and you are standing today, all of you. So the simple meaning, the literal meaning is that Moshe gathered all the people together. The last four parshas, he's giving it over to all of Am Yisrael. So that's the kulchem. You are standing, all of you, because he was talking to all of the people. If you continue, and we're, we're starting to run out of time here, but if you continue the first Pasuk, it gives a description of 10 different, call it divisions, or 10 different types that make up the Jewish people. And this, there's, there's so many teachings, we'll just bring one of them, and it's Roshechem, the, your heads, Shiftechem, the, the, your tribes, Ziknechem, your wise people, Shotrechem, and your uh, policemen and enforcers of the law, Kolish Yisrael, every, every Jew, Tabchem, your, your children, Neshechem, all of the women, the Gercha Shebeker of Machanecha and the convert that will be within your gates, Mechotev Eitzecha Ad Shoev Memecha, from the chopper of wood to the uh, 
water carrier. Now, everyone knows how many proverbial stories are told in Hasidus about the holy water carriers. So this is like the source, right in the Torah. But this is all like 10 different types of Jews. The idea is it's all encompassing. So one of the a beautiful way to understand this psychologically, spiritually, is that every person has all 10 of these types within them. And just a few examples. We know that every male has also a female uh, aspect to their consciousness. And every female has a male aspect to their consciousness. Every adult, at least in, in the positive sense, should keep some childish, not childish, but childlike wonder and we all know that sometimes children can say things that are like beyond their age, their, their wisdom, etc., etc. There's a part of us that's all the water carrier. At Har Sinai, there's an understanding we all became converts in a sense, we all converted. Avram Avinu, he wasn't born Jewish. He, in a sense, converted. Not the way we have conversion today, but in a sense, that was the, the archetypal. So this kulchem applies to every person. That each person, the roshechem, the leader, each one of us has leadership potential. The policeman, each one of us should have an internal policeman that will give us a certain sense of discipline, a certain sense of, of order. And it goes on like this. It's a very, very beautiful um, exercise to go through and to look at how I have or should have or if I don't, and what is lacking, and having all of these aspects within my own being. Later in the Parsha, I don't, yes, in uh, Pasuk, it's 29, 14. It says, Kiet Asher Yeshno Po Imanu Omed Hayom Lifnei Hashem Elokeinu, Beet Asher Enenu Po Imanu Hayom. So it says, Who is this Kulchem? So this is an explanation. So the Torah says, Everyone who is here with us and standing today, before your God, and everyone who is not standing here today. So the literal meaning is that Moshe is telling them, I'm speaking to a certain group of people that are happen to be alive now. But the, 
the Jewish people have to know I'm speaking to every Jew in every future generation. The whole Torah is speaking to every Jew in every generation. Not just those who are standing here today, because between the, the first Pasuk and the Pasuk I just read, it says that the whole purpose of gathering the people together, if you look at Yud Aleph, the 11th verse, is is to enter you into the covenant. Now we have been entered into the covenant. This is kind of like the ceiling. This is a renewal of the covenant. So what it's saying is that this covenant was not made just with the people in the desert. It was made with every single Jew until the end of time. In a more mystical sense, what it's saying is that this is the secret of Gilgal, of reincarnation. And the t one of the teachings is, is that the 600,000 uh, root souls that left Egypt and were in the desert, these are the archetypal souls that we all belong to. And that every soul that is reincarnated goes back to these root souls. And then these root souls, excuse me, these root souls go back to an even more archetypal root soul of the 70 souls that come, go down to Egypt. Those go back to more archetypal, the Avot and the Imahot. And ultimately, according to the Ari, we all come from Adam. And this is the Adam that is both male and female. So the different levels of root souls, but what the Torah is saying, all of you who are here today, and all of you that will be, meaning really you, when you reincarnate in the future, that's who I'm making this covenant with. Okay, so our, our, our time is up, but I want to add one last explanation that uh, I've given over uh, countless times, so I feel it's so important. And this I heard from Reb Shlomo on numerous occasions, and I believe he was he was quoting one of the Hasidic rabbis. I don't think it was his own. And it's like this: What is the cool chem here? Again, the literal is all of the people. But this explanation says that when you're standing before Hashem specifically on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, but really all of the time, but at least on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, it has to be all of you. Meaning the all of you here is relating to each person individually. In other words, it's not a good enough to stand before God with just 90% of your consciousness or your heart or your mind. For, for a lot of us, 90% is, is already a lot. But it means kochem, all of you. That if we really want to stand before Hashem, Hayom, then we need to do it with all of our being. And that's why the Torah sends 
over and over again. The Pasuk we read before with 18 words and 67 letters says it again. It says that you should love God your God with your whole heart and your whole soul. And we say this all the time. We say it a couple of times in, in the Shema every day. But are we doing it? Are we, are we really serving Hashem with our whole hearts and our whole souls? Are we really manifesting our potential with everything that we have? Are we really putting everything we have into our relationships? And to how we daven, how we learn, whatever our our professions are, our all, all of the things that we do. In all of your ways, know him. And this is one of the main teachings of the Baal Shem Tov. This idea, in all of your ways, know him. Meaning, whether you're eating or working or doing chores or playing or resting or uh, doing your life's work, do it with your whole being and do it with joy. And do it with joy. But we'll end with a bracha that we can all stand before Hashem with our whole beings and to try to learn to do this, not just on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. I'd say halavai, at least on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Halavai. But it's not supposed to stop there. The teachings of the Baal Shem Tov and the Hasidus is that we have the possibility of standing before Hashem every day and we have the possibility of giving it our all every day. And hopefully this year, we will all be inspired to do just that.